Thank you. Uh, that's something we all ought to be doing, right? Letting the world know uh, that we love the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, wouldn't it be a better world if we would do that? Uh, just from the top of our lungs. It wouldn't sound as nice as it did with them saying it, but from the top of my lungs, uh, I would let the world know that I love the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only with the words that I speak, but with the life that I live. You know, the Bible, there's an old English word that the Bible uses to talk about our manner of living. It's conversation. It's what my life speaks without me saying a word. And what the world needs to see uh, is a people who love the Lord Jesus Christ so much that they believe him, that they trust in him, they find rest in him, that they obey him. Uh, they live like he lived. Uh, that's who we are to be. That's really why we're here. You know, it's easy. It's easy to get sucked into the idea that life is about being comfortable and happy. And, and we make plans to be comfortable and happy. The older I get, the more I realize I'm not a very good planner. But we have savings account, we have retirement accounts, we have insurance accounts, all to ensure that we can remain comfortable and happy throughout the duration of our lives. And, and we ought to be responsible, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm not saying we shouldn't be responsible people and, and, and take care of that kind of business. Okay, okay, okay. But I'm saying it's possible for us to get lulled or, or to get sucked into, to, to get lulled to sleep with that and, and, and think that really God's purpose for our lives is to be comfortable and happy. I fear for a lot of us, we're concerned about what's happening in our nation, not because a multitude, the majority, don't know Jesus Christ, aren't glorifying God with their lives, will spend eternity separated from him. We're not concerned about that. We're concerned that it might jeopardize our comfort and our happiness. And I would just suggest today that God's purpose for our life, God's purpose in our lives, is not to make us comfortable and happy. If it were, the moment I got saved, it would have taken me to heaven. I'll be more comfortable in heaven. I'm sad for Alan's family, but I'm not sad for him because I know he's comfortable and he's happy. He, he has realized what, what we still believe by faith, he has sight. And you know, we can go beyond the, the, the carnality of it all and and our comfort and our happiness and, and we can go even to the purposes of God. God, pur God does have purposes. He, he wants me to know him in a personal way through his son Jesus Christ. He wants that I would love him and, and I would say if I know him, I love him. 
He wants me to worship him, to, to live for him and to, to surrender, give my life a living sacrifice to him, that, that I would so love him that, that my life would be surrendered to him and his lordship. Those are his purposes for my life. He also wants me to, to tell others about him, to, to speak of his love, to, to share the hope, to share that he has overcome death in the grave and that, that sorrow is, is a reality in our lives, but we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. We have the blessed hope of eternal life. The reality is I will, I will know him better in heaven. I'm going to see him as he is, the Bible says. And because I'll know him as he is, I'll love him more. And I'll worship him better. The only thing that I can do better here than I'll do there is to share him. (laughs) Just to share, to speak of him. To, to communicate the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, just to, to let people know that he loves them too <laughs> and that he died to pay for their sin and that they can have joy and peace in him. They can know him and, and love him and, and worship him too. So it might be fair to say I'd be better off dead than not to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Amen? I'll know him better, love him more, worship him better when I'm dead than I do now. The only thing I can do better here and now is be a witness for him. The Apostle Paul, when he was en route to Jerusalem, came through Ephesus. And as he comes through Ephesus, it's revealed there that that when he goes to Jerusalem, in fact, they discourage him from going to Jerusalem because they say, when you get there, you're not only going to be bound, but, but you're going you're, you're to lose your life. And, and, and listen, that wasn't just something that someone said. That was that, you know, Paul's life had, had given testimony to the possibilities of that, right? He, he had struggled and, and, and persecuted and, and imprisoned and, and, and stoned and, and all those different things that happened in his life. But this is what Paul says in response to that. None of these things move me. None of, none of those realities move me. None of the realities that my, my comfort and my joy and my freedom are going to be taken from me, none of that moves me. None of that stops me. None of that's moving me away from the purpose that God put me here for. I think that's important for us to realize. We shouldn't allow the situations and circumstances of life, even losing our freedom and being wrongfully imprisoned, move us. Again, I, I fear that a lot of Christians are being moved away from the purpose we were put here because of the political climate in our country. Don't let that happen. Don't get distracted from what's most important. Paul says, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. 
Jesus said, even if it goes to the extent of losing my life, that's okay. Because I want to finish my course with joy. Not, not just finish my course, but finish it with joy. And, and if you follow the story, what happens in Paul's life is that he does end up in bonds and he does end up being killed. But, but he said, what I want to do is, is not be moved away from the gospel, not be moved away from the purpose God put me here. I want to finish my course with joy, the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He, he said, I just want to live out the rest of my days fulfilling what God put me here to fulfill. I want to finish my course. God put me on a course. He, he gave me directions. I want to follow those directions specifically, that is to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I want to be a testimony of God's grace and his gospel. And again, may I, may I reiterate as we said last week, that's all we can be. I can't save anyone. That's not my responsibility. I sow seeds. I water seeds. God gives the increase. It's above my pay grade. I'm just to testify to the grace of God. I'm to speak of his grace in my life and his gospel. I'm to share the, the truths of the scriptures. Paul says that's that's what I, I give myself to. That's, that's what I want to do. That's how I want to live out the rest of my days. And he comes to the end of his life and, he's, and, he, and he testifies that he did finish his course. He did keep the faith. Amen? He was able to accomplish that. I pray I am as well. We're encouraging you this year in 2021 to Overcome the obstacles that keep us from sharing our faith. And there are obstacles to it. There, you know, there, there's the, 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 the ideal of knowledge. I don't know how. There's the, the ideal of fear. There's, there's the idea that I, I don't have the answers. There's, there's just the fear of losing our, our friendships and our reputations. But our goal is to help all of us overcome that that we would step across the pain line, and there is a pain line to be crossed in communicating the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to talk about some, some things that we want to accomplish, and we're going to look at the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want to turn to John chapter 3, it's a great story of Jesus communicating the truth to a very religious person, a man named Nicodemus. John chapter 3 very familiar passage of scripture, but just so that we have the story in our heads, I'm going to read it to you. John chapter 3, the first 16 verses. Those are a lot of verses. John chapter 3, verses 1 to 16. Starting in verse number 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? 
Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst, canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master in Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we know and testify that we have seen, and you receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that come, came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This man Nicodemus comes to Jesus, comes at night, he comes as a, a religious leader. The Bible tells us he's a, a Pharisee. You could say Nicodemus is a, a, a Bible-believing fundamentalist. He, he's of the sect that's, that's the, the most conservative. The, the Sadducees would have been the liberals, but he's a, he's a Bible-believing fundamentalist. He's, he's a, of the spiritual elite. He's, he's a Pharisee. Jesus Talking about the Pharisees, he said, You have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her in, her, within, in his own heart. And, and Jesus goes on and on with this in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mountain. He's talking to the Pharisees and, and he's making the point that, that you externalize everything. You're, you're all about what's on the outside and you've, you've disregarded that which is on the inside. You live by a very strict code of ethics on the outside, but inwardly, in, in fact, Matthew chapter 23, he says that, that you're like whited sepulchers. He, he says, you know, it's, it's very beautiful. Religion can provide some wonderful things, but it can't save you. It looks nice. It helps us to organize and, 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 and function within society. But he says, Pharisees, you're... You're whited sepulchers. You appear beautiful outwardly, but inwardly, you're full of dead men's bones. He says there's no inward validity to your relationship. Romans 10 says, speaking of the Jewish people, I bear them record, Pharisees like Nicodemus, they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. That's the issue with religion. As we, as we share the hope, as we testify to the grace of God, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we usually do that in the South to someone who's a religious person. And it's important that we, we realize what we're trying to achieve. It, it isn't to, to get them involved in religion. In fact, it's to help them understand that religion is a curse. 
Religion will send more people to hell probably than any other thing. You want to know where the devil is this morning? He's in church. He's a faithful attender. Seeking to deceive people and trick them. Paul says of the Jews, they have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. They don't know God. They were ignorant of God's righteousness, so they wouldn't submit to it. They, they, tried, to, they tried to establish their own righteousness. They thought they could be good enough. They thought God would have respect to their good deeds. They lived with the, the humanistic philosophy that if my, if my good outweighs my bad, then surely God will respect that. And Jesus is trying to help Nicodemus realize that that's not the case. So religion seeks to establish its own righteousness through what it does or does not do. That's the curse of religion. Nicodemus comes and he's, he's a religious man. Not only is he a religious man, but he's, he's a ruler of the Jews, verse 1. Again, a ruler of the Jews. He's a Pharisee. He's of the, the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. He, he may have even been the chief of that. He's a very powerful and influential man. Again, the, the society was broken down. You had common people, and then you had the Pharisees, but then you had the Sanhedrin. That was even beyond that. I mean, he has reached the apex of his religious system. And even his, his society, his culture, And therefore, it's difficult for him to submit himself to the righteousness of another, a righteousness that is outside of himself. He's struggling to realize that he's not good enough. There are a lot of people like that. said it many times I think it's true it's not hard to get people to come to Christ it's not hard to get people saved it's hard to get them lost that's the hard part to get them to come to the realization that their sin has separated them from God that's what Nicodemus is struggling with I mean he he looks at his life and 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 he's always functioned within his own righteousness. And, and that system has taken him far. He has reached the apex of, of his society, of his religious system. He's a, a leader among the Jews. And he comes to Jesus by night. And he, and he comes, verse 2 says, and, and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And that's very typical talk of a religious person. The, the, hey, the determinant council got together and we've sat down and we've, we've looked at all the facts and we've come to this conclusion, you must be from God. And that kind of sounds like a good thing, but the, the reality is I don't need to have my faith in godly scholars. Faith in godly scholars will get you nowhere but to hell. My faith isn't in the determinate council. My faith isn't in what men say. It's not based on the approval of men. If, if I know God, then it, I'm not really concerned about what men say. And you can add me to that. Include me in that. Not concerned about what men say. 
You don't ever want to show up before God and say, Joe said. That'd be a bad day. You stand before God, you want to be able to say, you said. God, you said. My faith is in what you said. That's what I settled in the closet of an apartment on Glen Street, less than a half a mile from here. And I told God that day, if I go to hell, it'll be your fault. Because I believe you. I'm going all in with you. I forsake everything else that I've ever trusted. And I trust you. The opinions of men is the curse of religion. He's, he's a respected teacher. Jesus says to him, after he explains this new birth, he, he says, art thou a, a master in Israel? You're a doctor of the law? You've got all of this knowledge? You're incredibly intelligent? You could have, he could have spoken of any subject in the Old Testament. Jesus didn't choose to do that. He says, you have all of this knowledge, but you don't understand the very simplest of realities. You can't deal with the basic issues of life. Men seek knowledge rather than God. And again, that's the curse of religion. You see, as we, as we seek to testify to the grace of God and the gospel of Christ, we're, we're seeking to overcome the curse of religion because religion gives false hope. Religion gives false hope. Nicodemus thought, I'm a, I'm a good guy, I'm, I'm a moral person, I'm a religious person, I'm a, I'm a leader among my religion. I, I, I have others who agree with me, intelligent people, I have a, a lot of knowledge about God. Surely I'm okay. And what Jesus Christ is saying to him is, no, you are not. Because it's not about what you know or who approves or how religious you are or moral you are. It's about knowing God. And there's only one way to know God. That leads to the next point. As we, as we share, we, we want to overcome the curse of religion. And we want to establish the conviction of sin. Because the reality is, the thing that stands between me and God is sin. Oftentimes, I've had parents come to me and say, my child is asking questions about being saved. And I'm not sure they're ready. How do I know? I found that the way to know is to ask a simple question. I mean, if you ask a child, hey, why do you want to be saved? I want to go to heaven when I die. And that's a wonderful answer. But you need, that's not enough information. Children are smart enough to want to go to heaven when they die. You have to be an adult to be foolish enough not to want that. So you need a follow-up question. Why wouldn't you go to heaven if you died? Now the answer to that question is important. And if their answer is anything other than the reality that they are a sinner, they're not ready. 
again, it's not hard to get someone saved. It's hard to get them lost. Because we reject that. We reject that I'm not enough. We reject that I'm a sinner. I, I've shared the gospel, you know, using the, the uh, way of the master methodology and, and talking to someone about lying. You know, have you ever told a lie? Well, yes, I've told a lie. Well, what does that make you? And I've heard people actually say to me, well, certainly not a liar. Okay, let's, let's manipulate the formula. Let's say I tell you a lie. What am I? Well, you're a liar. You see how that works? It's, it's the same thing as I want, I want justice when it's you. I want mercy when it's me. Most of us see ourselves better than we are. And that's not to be self-condemning. That's to recognize that I'm desperately in need of a Savior. I'm no good on my own. I, I need to understand that, that I'm a sinner. And so, so Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus and he comes very respectfully. Verse two, he calls him a rabbi. Nicodemus had been to rabbi school and so he knew what it meant to be a rabbi and it took a lot to attain that title, but, but Jesus had not been there. And, and so he comes and he heaps on him this praise. He, he comes reverently to him. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. I mean, he recognizes that there's something different about Jesus and he, he speaks of the miracles that, that Jesus has performed. And so he comes and and he's very reverent and he's very respectful and he comes and he asks a question. Verse three says, Jesus answering said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto you. So Nicodemus, he comes with a, a question. Jesus answered. He didn't just say it. He's answering something that Nicodemus has asked. And I believe the question that Nicodemus has asked is this, am I good enough? Have I done enough? to merit eternal life. I'm a religious leader. I'm a revered ruler. I'm a respected teacher. Is that enough to get me to heaven? And Jesus' response gives the answer. No. No, you are not good enough. You must be born again. Nicodemus recognizes that, that Jesus has, has come from God and that God's with him, but, but that doesn't merit salvation. He needed to recognize that Jesus is God. And that's all the difference in the world. Recognizing Jesus Christ is God. Jesus does that by, by forcing this, this religious leader who could have discussed any issue in the Old Testament, he could have quoted large portions, if not all, of the Old Testament as a Pharisee. Jesus sidesteps all of the, the accolades and the, the words that he speaks of, of his greatness, and he forces him to deal with the basic issues of life. Jesus answered and said unto him, verse 3, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He, he prefaces that with verily, verily, truly, truly, the most solemn of truths. This is a solemn truth. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. We like to say, as humans, seeing is believing, right? Jesus says, believing is seeing. 
If you know much about humanity, it's not surprising that we get that just backwards. I'll believe it when I see it. Jesus said, you'll see it when you believe it. It's an important distinction. You'll see it when you believe it. It is by faith. The Jews, Nicodemus, his people, they believed that they were born a part of the kingdom of God. There are a lot of people who believe because their parents are Christian, they are Christian. They believe that, that because they were born into a family that was a part of a church, that somehow that merits salvation for them. That's not the case. And Jesus is trying to rock Nicodemus' world and get him to see that, that what's required is a, a spiritual birth. You were, you were born of water, he said in the text. You were born physically, but that physical birth separated you from God. You were born a sinner, separated from God. If you want to have a relationship with God, it will require a second birth. You must be born again. You need a spiritual birth. You were born physically, spiritually dead. Your physical birth left you spiritually dead. You need a spiritual birth to give you spiritual life. He wants him to see that, that regardless of, of how you were born, who you were born to physically, how religious you are, how much good you've done, or, or how much bad you've not done, or what position you hold, none of that matters. It's, it's not relevant because we all are spiritually dead. That's how we're born into this world. That's the reason Paul tells us in Romans, there is none righteous. No, not one. He offers that rebuttal quickly because all of us have a tendency to justify ourselves or someone else. But what about? No, no, not one. Not even Nicodemus, a religious ruler, a great teacher, a very moral person. He too was born spiritually dead. He needed to be reborn. He needed to come into a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. He needed to come to the place that he recognized that he's a sinner. He's not good enough to save himself. And that his only hope is a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Putting his faith in Christ and his payment for his sin. As you follow this story, let me, let me just point out, kind of parenthetical to what we're talking about for just a moment. There's a pattern here. It's a pattern that you'll find in the scriptures if you you spend some time studying. The pattern goes like this. There's a miracle. That's what Nicodemus said. We've seen the miracles, right? Wasn't that what he said? We've seen the miracles that you've done. And, and those miracles have created some concern within me. We would call that the conviction of sin. And so Jesus, I've come and I've got some questions for you. Let me tell you who I am. I kind of think I'm doing pretty well in life. I've reached this apex of, 
of my religious system, and so surely I'm good enough. But let me just ask you, Jesus, am I good enough? And Jesus then takes the opportunity to help him understand that he isn't. That's what should happen in our lives. Listen to me carefully. That's how that should work in our lives. A miracle takes place. It's the miracle of a new life. You you probably haven't walked on water lately. You probably haven't raised the dead or healed the sick. But if you've been born again, and crisis has come into your life, and we've just been through a year of crisis, and yet in the midst of the crisis, you have peace, you have joy, you have hope, That's a miracle. God's delivered you from addiction. He's delivered you from the vices of this world. You you have fulfillment and satisfaction. You have a changed life. That's a miracle. And I'll promise you, if we'll go out and live that miracle, it it will bring about, listen, it will bring about the conviction of sin. Just live that life. And people will respond to that one of two ways. Some are going to become angry about that. That's how conviction works, right? They're going to become upset with you. Now, now, please understand, that's okay. You shouldn't become upset with them. They're just convicted by their own sin. Don't allow that to, to disturb you. Just recognize what's going on. Others are going to come and they're going to have questions. They're going to want to know, man, how in the world? Have you gone through this difficult experience and yet you still have joy and peace? And how's, how's that happen? Let me listen, listen, listen. <laughs> That's a critical moment. They, they come like Nicodemus came to Jesus. Rabbi, miracle worker, you're amazing. When somebody comes to us like that, we have a tendency to say, you know what? (laughs) Now that you mention it, I am pretty awesome. Thanks for noticing. Now now listen, maybe I I shouldn't say that's our tendency. That's my tendency. But that's the wrong answer. The right answer is, I'm nothing. He is everything. Let me tell you, he's no respecter of persons. He wants to give you that same joy and peace. He wants to do that same work in you that he did in me, but, but it's only because of what he did in me. Let, me. let me point you to him. It's not me, it's him. It's not because I go to church. Surely not because I'm a Baptist. It's Jesus Christ. And that's his work in my life. And as we, as we have that opportunity, then, then we can help people experience the conception of new life, right? So it's, uh, the, the idea is we want to expose the curse of sin. 
We want to establish the, or excuse me, we want to expose the curse of religion, establish the conviction of sin, and then help people experience the conception of new life. That's what Jesus says in, in verse 16. For, the, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It, it, he, he wants to give life and, and, the, and he wants to give life that lasts forever. It's everlasting life. It, it starts the moment that I believe in it and it, and it lasts forever. He, he wants me to have this relationship with him. And the only way I can have this relationship with him because I was born into the world and the, the part of me that would rightly relate to God was broken. I'm, I'm spiritually dead. I'm spiritually separated from God. That's what death is in the Bible. It's separation, not annihilation. I was separated from God and he wants to put that life back in me. Jesus Christ says, I, I have come to, to give you life and to give it more abundantly. He, came, I, he said, I came to, to seek and to save that which was lost. Not, not them that were lost, that which was lost. And that which was lost is the life of God. That's what we lost in the fall. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. And they passed that down to us. Romans 5, 12. By one man sinned in the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. The separation from God and, and what God wants to do, what, what our goal is in sharing and testifying to the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ is to, to help people experience this conception of new life, to be born again, to, to receive Christ into their lives. We're, we're not looking to get people to walk an aisle or, or pray a prayer. We're looking to get people to experience the conception of new life, that the life of God would be created within them. That they would choose. In the, in the testimony this morning with Jane and Ava, I think Jane said the word surrender. It's a good word. Sometimes we think when we say, oh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's, it's head knowledge, it's believing the facts, it's a surrender of the will. It's faith that's not just that I believe something in my head. I've surrendered to that. I've, I've jettisoned everything else. I have no other hope but in Jesus Christ. When I stand before him one day, my only answer will be Jesus Christ. He's my only hope. There's a lot to be learned from Nicodemus. For us in our own lives and for the lives of those that we seek to reach with the gospel, it's possible to accept Jesus as a good teacher, but not as your savior. That's what Nicodemus had done. He, he said, you're, you're, you're a good teacher, you're, you're wonderful. What, but he didn't need a teacher, he needed a savior. He, he didn't need to recognize that he was from God or God was with him, he, he needed to recognize that he is God. It's possible to see the miracles of Jesus and not receive the miracle of a new birth. This story comes at the end of, obviously, of chapter 2, and, and, and there's a group of people who followed Jesus in chapter 2, but they followed because of the miracles. They, they followed because they wanted to see the miracles of Jesus, and Nicodemus is, is an example of them. They, they, they follow because of the miracles, but they don't believe in Jesus. It's possible to hear the truth, but ask the wrong questions. Nicodemus is asking the how questions. How is it possible to be born again? What's the process of new birth, rather than just asking Jesus to give him new life. It's possible to know the facts, to know enough facts to inoculate you to the gospel. 
We talk a lot about viruses and vaccines these days. A vaccine is something that inoculates you to keep you from getting the disease. It's possible to have enough knowledge about God to just keep you from really meeting him. It's possible to accumulate all the, or many of the important aspects of spirituality but never experience the essential truth of spirituality. It's possible for someone to, to, to be baptized or to, to, to be taught or, or to serve or, or even to live a moral life, but the need is rebirth. It's possible to believe and to teach the facts of the Bible and be oblivious to its truth. Jesus says to Nicodemus, are you a master in Israel and you don't know these things? It's important for us, those of us especially who live in Decatur, Alabama, who encounter spiritual, not spiritual is the wrong word, religious people every day, that we understand that our goal is to testify to the grace of God. As we do that, it's, it's, it's critical that we overcome the curse of religion. We help people see it's not about being religious. The issue is my own sinfulness has separated me from God. And what I need is a new birth. I need to be born again. I need to surrender my will to his. Acknowledge my sin. And accept him as the perfect sacrifice for my sin debt. That's true of all those people out there that we might want to share the gospel with this week. But I would encourage you before you go to share that news with somebody else that you follow the admonition of the Apostle Paul and you examine yourself. Prove your own self how Christ Jesus be in you except you be reprobates. It's important that we know that we have been born again. And once we know we've been born again, it's important that we share that story with those we come in contact with. Father, we love you today. We need you today. Father, we need your vision. We need your passion. We need your love and care for the people that we come in contact with. We need to see people. We need your eyes to see people like you see them. We need your love. Father, I pray today for those that are here in-house, watching online, that we would all just take the moment to, to examine ourselves. Do we know that we know that we've been born again? Have we recognized that our good deeds and our religiousness and our knowledge and, and the opinions of man are not enough? Do we have a relationship with you? I, I pray, Father, you would help us. I pray your Holy Spirit would be allowed to examine each and every one of us today. And, and Father, any, anyone who isn't sure that today would be the day they, they would make sure. And then, Father, I pray as those of us who examine ourselves and, and are sure that we would commit ourselves to testifying, to fulfilling your purpose, to, 
to sharing your grace and your love, to living a life that is exemplary, living a life that, that manifests you just in our, our mannerisms and the way we carry ourselves such that it would establish the conviction of sin and, and cause people to come and question. And when they question, we would have the courage to share the hope that is found only in you. Father, help us to be a church that would love you and love people enough to speak of you, to live for you, to manifest you in this world. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to give an opportunity for you to come. Maybe God's spoken to you this morning. Maybe you're here today and you don't know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. You might be a member of this church, been here a long time, but you don't know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. We'd love to help you know how you can know for sure. The Bible says, these things have I written unto you that you might know that you have eternal life. We'd like to help you know. If you don't know, if you'll come, one of these guys standing at the end of the aisles will help you. Maybe God's speaking to you about living out that purpose being less interested in being comfortable and happy and more interested in fulfilling the purpose that God put you here for you need to come and pray about that you need to come and commit that you need to come and ask God to forgive you whatever you need today we invite you to come while we sing like God do in your life what he wants to do while we sing you come Let him do that today. Let him have his way in your life. think anybody who's paying attention realizes that time is short the older I get the more I realize that life is truly a vapor it appears for a moment and it vanishes away I, I believe I, I pray that Christ is coming soon I know he's coming I hope it's soon Today's okay with me. And what that means is I have a limited amount of time to share with those I love the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's be about that business. Let's